Welcome back. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, sitting in for Jeff MacArthur, and we're talking about the budget. There was a lot in the budget yesterday uh, defense spending, money for green energy projects, a lot about housing. I would say there was too much about housing. Maybe my next guest, Phil Soper, may disagree with me, but there was a lot of focus, and for good reason. Housing prices, as we know in this country, have risen uh, just in 2021, 26% year over year. You hear young people can't get into the market. A house goes on uh, sale on your street and 30 people show up to bid on it. It's a, it's a really exhausting experience um, and, and, and causing a lot of anxiety, especially for those uh, people who have been on the sidelines uh, waiting to buy their first home or maybe waiting to upgrade from the home that they're in into their forever home. Uh, many of them feel that they're just priced out. They're never going to be able to afford it. Uh, yesterday in the budget, uh, the Liberal government announced $10 billion in funding, and that's meant to speed up home construction, repairs, other measures also to cool the market, including a ban on foreign buyers. I wanted to bring in my guest, Phil Soper, President and CEO of Royal LePage. Hi, Phil. Hey, great to be here. Um, Like I mentioned off the top, it was a very housing-heavy budget from my point of view. What's your reaction uh, to all that spending that's being promised on housing? Well, you know, my first reaction was, am I in the right country because... The, the federal government just promised billions for fighter jets and housing, two things that, that really haven't been this government's uh, focus for a really long time. I, you, you said it in the introduction, I am uh, delighted that housing is getting its due. We do have a, a real housing crisis shortage uh, in this country it's been, oh gosh, 15 years in uh, the making, and uh, these steps should make a difference. So I was very pleased that the federal government's following the lead of uh, some of the provincial governments, including the Ontario government, and focusing on one of the great social challenges of our time. How will they make a difference? I mean, they've made all these promises uh, to build new homes for the middle class, to create more homes for more affordable homes, fix the ones that need fixing. Tell us from a practical point of view, you know, when are we going to see these homes and how is it really going to make a difference when it comes to home prices? Yeah, the one the the big thing that's going to bring the the pace at which home prices are rising under control is eroding affordability. And it's going to happen naturally. Back, if you go back two years ago, I said that this particular market expansion, that's what we call it, probably had a a couple of years to run through the second quarter of 2020. And we're already starting to see some of those early indications of the, the rate of home price appreciation slowing. So it doesn't mean home prices are going to drop. It just means they won't be rising at 20%. It'll be, you know, 10% or single digits. And and that's just beginning to show now. The um, But longer term, it'll just raise its head again because real estate is one of those cyclical businesses where 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 markets surge and then, then become more moderate. And, our, and we're short some 1.8 million homes uh, in in Canada. It's built up over over 15 years. We build a couple of hundred thousand uh, homes a year. We invite 400,000 new Canadians uh, to become citizens. And our millennials, the largest 
population uh, cohort in Canadian history are rolling into home ownership. There's a lot of demand for new roofs over families' heads, and we're just falling farther and farther behind. So the, the majors are going to make a difference. They're going to speed up the process by which we're able to create new housing for, for people. Now, one of the things the federal government is doing is banning foreign home ownership for the next two years. You know, I talk about personal finance a lot. I I have always felt that this is an over-exaggerated uh, effect on the real estate market, that it's not foreign home ownership that's driving prices up. It's part of it, but it's definitely not a huge part of it. What What's your reaction to that, them banning foreign home ownership uh, for the next two years so that people who don't live in Canada can't just come buy a house and park their money for, for you know, for an investment purpose? Uh, your in- instincts are bang on. It is a political headline immaterial to the overall real estate market. First of all, there's a number of exemptions for students, which is the right exemption, a recreational property, say cottage country, which is the correct exemption. So when you look at the actual number of transactions, it's very small. And all you have to do is look at how home prices rose during the pandemic era when foreign investment was virtually zero and immigration ground to a halt and we had no foreign students and you saw what happened to home prices this is a made in Canada problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's low interest rates. People, um, especially during the pandemic, uh, felt that their, you know, maybe their two bedroom condo was cramped and they wanted to get more space, which is a completely normal human response when you are in one place for a very long time. You think, well, maybe I would like a backyard. Maybe I would like a little bit of breathing room. Uh, maybe that home that I bought, that uh, that condo that I bought that's walking distance to all the, the cool things, they're all closed now. I don't want to be in this neighborhood anymore. And, and frankly, in three years, people have, lifestyles have changed. People's priorities have really changed. But what hasn't changed or what has changed for the worse is accessibility to homes. I mean, in my in my neighborhood alone, I've seen prices go up 30 um, percent. It's almost, you know, when I go on those d- different sites to see what homes have sold for, it almost sometimes makes me laugh out loud because I don't even know, understand what what's happening. Um, what what more needs to be done to make this market more accessible, especially to those first time home buyers? Well, some of the measures that both the provincial government and the federal government are taking should make a dent. So, for example, the federal government is introducing a new program that will allow people to, uh, on a tax advantage basis, like an RSP, save money for a home, and then, unlike an RSP, take it out of that registered vehicle, that savings account, and apply it to a home without tax. So it's sort of win-win, whereas a RSP and a, a TFSA, you only get one of the, the in or the out, you don't get both. Mm-hmm. So that that should be attractive. And I think as financial planners like yourself, um, understand the details, get the details, it will become a, a popular program. Now, how many people can just, can in, a, in short order, come up with another $45,000? That's tough. I will say... 25% of baby boomers in this country intend to help their uh, children purchasing a home. Over the next decade, estimates, uh, estimates are there will be $1 trillion in wealth transfer um, down to generations, predominantly baby boomers and millennials, just because they're the two biggest population groups in the, in the country. They're 
there will be the means. Interest rates are rising. I believe they'll rise from essentially zero to low if, if you look at historical terms. So that shouldn't be an impediment. So in my, in, in, in my expectation is people will still be able to buy homes. They may have to adjust the size of home, the neighbor, neighborhood home, or when they purchase that home. But all you have to do is look at Vancouver. Right? We live in Toronto. It's a, an expensive town. Look at Vancouver, it's much more expensive. The home ownership rate is still 65%. Mm-hmm. So uh, people find a way if it's important enough for them. Yeah, that program you're talking about announced was is the tax-free first home savings account. What an easy title to remember. Uh, the TFFHSA. I mean, I don't know who they need to hire someone to get oh, better man. titles for these for these registered accounts so they they are easier to remember. Account, account financial pool, yeah. Um, but you know, you're right. I mean, the, the young person has to have the money to put into that account. That's the number one hurdle. Um, and they have to, you know, sort of plan over time. I mean, asking a 20 year old to start putting money in their tax free first home savings account is a hard sell. <laughs> the one of the one of the good news stories that came out of the pandemic. It gets lost in the incredible numbers we're seeing in home price appreciation in 21 and 22. In 2020. We saw a huge leap forward of 25 to 35-year-olds who were able to acquire a home. What happened, and we saw this in 2009 in the Great Thank you. Great Recession, people left the market in droves. Uh, home prices did drop. It was only for five or six weeks in the uh, second quarter of uh, 2020, but during that incredibly a tumultuous time when we shut down the economy, the real estate market transactions dropped by two thirds and investors, people who owned a condominium uh, and rented it to a a foreign student, attending one of our great institutions Mm -hmm. to someone who worked in hospitality, travel tourism, suddenly they lost their tenants. Yeah. Foreign students went home. And all these people got laid off, so they went to live with their parents or their friends. Yeah, we heard those stories over and over again. Phil, we got to leave it there. We're out of time. Uh, I could talk about this all day. I know you could talk about it. We'll have you on again. I'll definitely be speaking to you soon. Phil, thank you so much. Uh, I'm Rubina ahmed filling in for Jeff MacArthur, and I'll be back. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.